The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $10 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big and win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WYNNBet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. Get mountain cold refreshment delivered straight to your door via Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash SGP. That's CoorsLight.com slash SGP. And finally, we're brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head on over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. And speaking of downloading apps, make sure to download the SGPN app. We are giving away $500 in our NFL Draft Props Contest. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft or click the contest tab in the SGPN app. Howdy ho, DeGenerino, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 137, going out to my favorite high school baseball team has won four straight games. Kudos to them. Thank you for coming to the show. I would be the host, the Shanimal, Jeff Fox. <laughs> um, there's the laugh I'm always looking for. Um, I am one of the... This here host of the show, I like to steal nicknames, and this week I am the Shanimal, or this episode I'm the Shanimal. Um, if you're not listening to us in our feed, please subscribe to our direct feed. We're still, it's almost 50-50 now, but we still get a bit more listeners on the SGPN feed than we do on our own feed. So if you're going to listen, listen on our feed. Um, that way you get us in your ears earlier, because as we've shown in the past, we are line movers. So when when we jump on a fighter, the line goes in the uh, unfortunate way for people who want to make money at him. So make sure you get us uh, in your ear holes or whatever hole or crevice or orifice you like to stick us in. Make sure you um, get it as soon as you drop it like it's hot. All right. Big show this week. As per usual, we got a UFC fight night um, going down. Pretty solid one. Um, not a heck of a lot of star power. Very interesting fight on, on top of the card. Um, yeah, maybe it's not a good fight card now to look at it. I'll, I'll have to, uh, <laughs> I, I automatically say, hey, it's good just to hype, you, you know, hype up the show here. But maybe it's not that good. Um, maybe last week's actually was better on paper. But let's bring in my co-host. He'll, uh, he's the king of hashtag hot takes. He'll, he'll have something to uh, say about this. They call him hot takes uh, Vreeland, but uh, you may know him better as Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hello. So, first of all, before we get to my hot take on how good or bad this card is, I do want to quickly hit on a point you just made about how we move lines. And I'm I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm actually the person <laughs> no. moving these lines. But if you listen to the show on Sunday uh, and we're listening to our PFL breakdown, I guys I gave you guys an underdog I was very high on. I said I love Saba Balaghi. Uh He's fighting uh, Alejandro Flores in the opening fight at PFL 2. Uh, I, I believe we quoted people at plus 125 for that fight, and I was like, Balagi is a very live dog. You know he's betting off at negative 140 right now? <laughs> for sure, it's Superfan John from the SGPN Slack dropping his his uh, big money on it after he heard you you uh, you call that guy up. Guaranteed Look, it, it's John. It, it, it didn't move the, the Boston Salmon line quite as much no. as uh, – but, like, it moved the, the – he's a favorite now, which is just insane to me. Um, but, yeah, uh, as for this card, 
I'm actually kind of excited for this card. There's a couple of uh, fighters I'm ready to get a few more answers about that I right. think are particularly interesting. Like, you know, just to, to quickly name a couple, we got the first ever guy on Contender Series to lose and get a contract in the opening right. fight. We've got an undefeated Japanese prospect, which, you know, we don't seem to get a ton of signings out of Japan anymore, right? Like, it's a, a lot of China and Korea when it comes to Asian fighters, and, and we don't typically – which Japan was like the first place we got a huge influx of fighters, you know, the Takahashi Go or uh, the Gomis, Taki Gomis in the, um, I'm trying to think of who else was UFC caliber, but like, it seemed like we got a lot of Japanese guys early and we don't anymore. So that's the first fight kicking it off. Kid Yamamoto. Kid Yamamoto. He he came to the UFC after his prime, which is kind of sad. Um, yeah. But we're also going to get answers on guys like Gabriel Green, who've had, like, up-and-down performances, or Tristan Connolly, and, like, that to me is super exciting. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, a bunch of these fights. And you've got to love the fact that both uh, Andre Arlovsky and Alexander Romanov are fighting. And yep. since we last talked, Romanov's number is now I, – I think he – I saw somewhere he's the biggest favorite in UFC history. Oh, Really? It was what yeah. minus. I think I have it locked in at minus two thousand for our purposes, but yeah, it's... I see it listed at places at negative twenty five hundred, which I, is. Yeah. I mean, like, I, what's I changed look, since? Since I mean, like, no, nothing's changed. changed since it's, since it's just year. it's just been people being able to load him on their parway, right? Yeah, like, so. in, in like, it's wild to think about because even in like Ronda Rousey heyday or Conor McGregor heyday, we didn't see numbers like this. And sure, some of this is because he's fighting a guy who's three and eight, who they just fired and signed back to be a sacrificial lamb. Some of it's because maybe some of it's because we got to see his physique, which is sexy two forty, dude. It is incredible. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't name last episode sexy two forty, so this could be the uh, return of. Uh, now that we said it, I can name the episode sexy two forty if I want. So, I, I like I like sexy two forty. Yeah, yeah. Because well, we did milk stomping instead, because uh, that's what you named. Oh, it you you yep. emailed me it, and that was perfect. And I, I didn't hear. I was hoping to hear back from our the Dagestan milk stomper, but he hasn't. Um, he didn't respond to any tweets on on his nickname. So maybe after he fights, uh, I'll yep. see if I can either get him on Top Turtle or see if I can get him to answer a text about what Dagestan milk stomping is. He may be like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, hey, <laughs> thank you, Wikipedia. Okay. Somebody put it on your Wikipedia page. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So. If you like to gamble, which everyone listen listen to this more than likely does, and if you like MMA, which more than likely you like that as well, then yeah, there's always something to be excited about on these cards. Um, maybe this may not be for the casual, as as we like to call them, um, which is once again uh, unfortunate because it's on the big ESPN, um, but the UFC doesn't really seem to load up the big uh, the main ESPN channel cards anymore. They just kind of seem to give you what what they got, and that's it. But well, we're going to enjoy it nonetheless. And people seem to, um, at least our hardcore fans that uh, that get back to us, seem to really like our PFL picks as well, uh, us doing that. So we will continue. Next week it is a uh, Thursday, Friday. It's a Friday night show, but um, we'll probably do it on Sunday again, you're thinking? Yeah. Pick some PFL, okay. And, and PFL, PFL 3 is um, – it's an interesting card. We will probably break down – 
just one women's featherweight fight, uh, and then uh, the rest of the other division that's being highlighted, which, if I'm not mistaken, is it lightweight next week? I think it's lightweight next week. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, packed with uh, with stars um, next week's or PFL stars um, next week's show. There's also a Bellator going down. I don't know if you if you want to make picks for that. It's the Paris debut, I believe. Uh, I don't. I, I can. I can't <laughs> tell you how much I don't want to talk about Ryan See, Bader versus Czech Congo being never, the first. Or, the first major promotion in in France. Yeah. We've got all of these people with great French ties. We've got you know surreal game. We've got Francis Ngannou. Like we got Manon Firo. If you want to go back a little bit while, somebody who uh, retired far too early and we didn't get to see him in his prime is Tom Dukevois. Could have been. And we're gonna get fucking Shet Congo headlining this card against Ryan Dieter. Check yeah. yeah, yeah, he can he can use that one for free if he wants. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it's I mean, like I don't want to talk about that even remotely. <laughs> it's even, uh, but it's Paul Daly's retirement in quotations fight also that that uh, night is it not? I think I believe it is, and he's already had an opponent change if I'm yep. not mistaken. He was worse. Yep. he was originally supposed to fight somebody he would probably have had at least a fun fight with, and now yep. he's fighting. Uh, whatever person could get a visa to fight in France. Um, yeah. yeah, it doesn't look like even Tapology's updated yet, but I'm pretty sure he's got a replacement fight. A French can. A French can of soup is who he's fighting. So, anyhow, um, we're, apparently we're not going to talk about that because Dan is uh, anti-Bellator <laughs> right now. So you're anti-fun. Um, you should be pro-Bellator after after hitting your plus winner last week and, your, uh, and that – long at that um big swing you took on cyborg and it actually came through for you so <laughs> but hey nonetheless let's uh we're not t- we're not talking about those second rate promotions as dan uh, calls Bellator. we're talking about ufc and espn font versus vera this week but first what are we going to talk about of course we're going to talk about our friends at win bet make sure to get down on the wins bet ten dollars win 200 promotion where ten dollar bet qualifies you for up to 200 dollars in free bets Plus, the Winback Casino is offered 100% deposit bonus up to $1,000. And, of course, don't forget to get involved in their same game parlays with the Wins own Build Your Own Bet feature. All users can receive a $20, almost gave away $200, yikes, $20 free bet when they win, lose, or push a three-plus leg Build Your Own Bet parlay. Between Thursday and Saturday, players can take advantage of the offer on the NBA playoffs. Go Suns to go. Um, There's so much to choose from and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started today offer subject to change terms conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available if you or someone you know has a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 speaking of giving away money we got a draft contest over at uh, sports gambling podcast we're giving away $500 out of Gumby's pocket in our NFL draft props contest just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash draft or click the contest tab in the SGPN app. Winner take all. Because football never dies. Also, Coors Light, y'all. It's a hectic time of year. Between weddings, graduations, spring sports, and more, we're busier than ever right now. And sometimes we forget to take a second for ourselves. So this season, take a second to enjoy a nice cold Coors Light. Because you deserve a beer that's made to chill. When I need to take a second for myself, I reach for the beer that's made to chill. Which would, of course, be Coors Light. Um... Get Coors delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash SGP. That's CoorsLight.com slash SGP. 
because non-cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, not the baseball team. Perfect for a moment to unwind. And remember to always celebrate our winning picks responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All righty. The Colorado Rockies are actually doing good this year, I think, aren't they? I believe so. It's in that, like, weird part of the year where you have to ask yourself, or, like, are these teams actually good? Um, Because last I checked, Oakland has a winning record, too, and I'm pretty sure they spent negative $7 million this (laughs) offseason, which is uh, a pretty wild approach. And I saw that their, like, minor league soccer team is drawing more fans than their baseball team on some nights, uh, uh, which is just crazy. And they uh, have a cat infestation. Do you hear about that? So I heard it. I, I heard it's. I heard it's very aggressive. The, the estimates are there's as many as fifty feral cats in that stadium. Yep. That More is fans. That is a lot of feral cats. And, and <laughs> I don't is. know. I don't know what a usual feral cat colony is like because I do not live in such places. But uh, that sounds like too many. Yeah, it does sound like a lot. And apparently. There's if you see that many, then there's a lot more that you haven't seen. <laughs> apparently, they're hiding, so they're uh, they're multiplying off of bad baseball. Apparently, but hey, this isn't a feral cat Oakland A's <laughs> podcast, now is it? No, I don't, I don't think so. If the A's execs or owners, I guess it would be um, both of them, listen to this podcast, then they would have a lot more money to spend on their players because we're winners, win, win, win. Well, one of us is. I won't say which one. But anyhow, let's let's get into the, the one that sounds smart. Is not the winner. Let, let's put it that way. All right. UFC and ESPN font versus Vera. UFC and ESPN thirty five. UFC Vegas. What are we up to? Fifty three. Fifty three. There you go. Since I called you smart, you're just going to let that slide, right? I'm, I, I said you're, you're not the winner. <laughs> I'm the one who sounds smart. Correct. <laughs> exactly. All right. That's Oh, I have start times, finally. I, I wrote them down. We got, this is an early one. 4.30 Eastern for the prelims, and they are on ESPN2 slash ESPN+. And the main card, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and ESPN+. All right. UFC Apex, as per usual, Enterprise Nevada. First fight of the night, Dan mentioned, called out both of these fighters, not by name, but he called them out. Flyweights, Tatsuro Taira versus Carlos Candelero. Candelario, excuse me. Candelario is the one, as Dan said, that lost a uh, Dana White Contender Series fight, but still got into the house because it was uh, hellacious into the house. What am I saying? Uh, into everything comes back to tough. That's why I'm stuck there. Uh, he got into the UFC because it was such a hellacious fight. So let's tell you about him first. He is the cannon, 8-1, two knockouts, three submissions, never been finished in a fight. This will be his UFC proper debut. He was 1-1 in the Contender Series, so the fight he won, he didn't get in. The fight he lost, he got in. That makes sense. Um, lost his last fight, as I said. Um, used to fight at Bantamweight, inch taller than Tyra, plus 200. Tatsuro Tyra, 10-0, three knockouts, five submissions. This will be his debut as well. UFC keeps, for a division that was supposedly going to be called how many years ago? A long, long time ago? It's it's uh, thriving now. They keep adding new people to it. Um Three straight submission wins for this man. He is the Shuto champion in Japan. Don't have reach info so I can't for him, so I can't compare the reaches at this point. He's nine years younger than Candelario, minus 250. So first of all, tell us what you can about Ty- Tyra, if you can, and then uh, make your pick, please. 
So it's pretty easy to find uh, footage out there on Tyra because uh, both Shudo and Valley Tudo Japan, both uh, they, they have a lot of their stuff up on YouTube. So y- you can go watch a lot of his stuff. Some of it is on Fight Pass. So depending on what you're using or what you pay for, you, you can actually see a lot of Tyra's fights already. And I would say this, first of all, I'm not really impressed with the level of competition he's fought. He's, he's fought a lot of those, like, Japanese journeyman you know of, like Yoshihira Maeda, um, who who did I'm not I'm pretty sure fought in WEC. Is he's forty years Never old. At, yeah, he he's forty years old at this point and he's like thirty nine and nineteen and three or something like that. Um so Tyra beat him. Uh which, you know, do with that what you know. Um but most of what I've seen in the footage I've watched of him is he he's got back to back to back submissions and it's pretty much entirely he tagged people on the feet and then just instantly jumped on their back or instantly jumped for a finish um, and, and, and made the best of it. Like his grappling is sound enough that it allows him to make the best of it. So I saw that and then I, I went back and watched Candelario's two fights, um, both the one with Candido and the one with Ultra Murano. And he gives up a lot of takedowns, which certainly is alarming, right? Because he's facing a guy with submissions. But while we usually say, like, oh, he's facing a guy with submissions and he gets taken down, I don't actually think Tyra shoots takedowns all that often. Like, I'm pretty sure he's just, like, an opportunist looking for a finish. He's much happier with his hands and throwing hands. And I don't actually think he has the better hands than Candelario. I think Candelario can definitely hang with him on the feet. And I'll also say this. I think Candelario scrambles better than anybody Tyra has fought. Um, I think... You know, you look at that fight with Altamirano, and if you're just looking at the stats, you're like, I oh, gave up four takedowns. But even in giving up four takedowns, he had over two and a half times the control time that Altamirano did with sweeps and takedowns of his own and, like, you know, reversals and stuff like that. Like, he just wound up on top a lot. And so, you know, like, I think Tyra is just going to kind of wait and try to tag him. And in in flyweight, that doesn't happen that often. It's worked for him because he's – you know, kind of fighting lesser guys in Japan. So with all that being said, you know, Candelario coming off the loss, although it was a split decision loss, has a lot of people doubting him, has the number through the roof. I'm actually going to go dog right off the bat here. I like Carlos Candelario. I think he wins it on the feet here, and he scrambles enough to win rounds. Boy, so you're smarter than the bookies, uh, the line makers now, are you? Um I mean, I, I will say this. It, this is less of the bookmaker's fault, and, and you can blame the bookmakers to a, to a little bit of an extent because you always can win. But, like, the number has jumped up on him, which means people are betting the yeah. Tyra side, um, <clears throat> depending on what book you're looking at. But, like, I, I think I think it's a little bit of misaligned to begin with, but a lot of it, like, the, the money coming in in different places. Okay, um, I'm still going chalk on this, even though I haven't seen uh, Tyra Banks fight before. I'm still going to go um, chalk. I'm taking Tyra. Are you are you giggling at something? Yeah, that, the Tyra Banks thing was pretty funny. Yeah, I don't I don't I give forgot. you I, I don't give you props for real I don't g- give you props for real funny things very often, but that that was real funny. <laughs> Sometimes I get down to to crack. Um, no, I'll I'll go. Uh, I'll assume the 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 bookmakers what was the what was the opening line do you have it off the top of your head or i'm you, seeing you uh, so it, it, it depends on which one you're looking at but I, i'm seeing yeah. uh where i had it originally written down i saw candelario was originally plus 165 
and he's bet up to plus 200, okay. plus 190 now. That's still a pretty big dog. So I'll I'll go with the um I'll go with Tyra Banks and and hopefully he can win this fight. So that's my blind pick, but I like Japanese pro wrestling. So let's go with the Japanese guy. That's the sound. That's some sound strategy there. All right, moving on. Women's flyweight Gina Mazzani versus Shanna Young, the artist formerly known as the Shanimal, but I took that nickname versus Danger Mazzani. All right, Shanna Young first seven and four, one knockout, three submissions. She's been knocked out once, submitted once in her career. Zero and two in the UFC. Got TKO'd in her last fight. She was all on the Contender Series. One and one in Invicta. Was a regional champion. Used to fight up at Bantamweight. She's an inch taller than Mazzani. Three years younger. Plus 145. Uh, Danger. Mazzani. 7-5. Four knockouts. One submission. She's been knocked out three times. Submitted once. Two and five in the UFC over two stints. Yeah, she, they keep rolling her out. Uh, she's got win-loss, win-loss over her last four fights. Her last fight was a TKO loss. She's all on the Ultimate Fighter. Used to fight at Bantamweight used to fight at lightweight as well. Uh, she's missed weight in the past. She was a regional champ as well. 2008 debut. Three inches of reach on Young. And her fiancé is... Timmy Elliott. Yes, Timmy Elliott. And minus 175 coming back at her. Um, Mazzani is my pick. Going to... Uh, this is uh, matches up. Grappling versus not very good grappler. She will ride, hopefully, ride her grappling to a fairly easy victory here over Shanna Young. Yeah, I, and I I will will pause you a little bit on the Shannon Young, not a terribly good grappler. I I think she got outworked by Stephanie Ager up at, at bantamweight and looked probably a little bit worse than she actually okay. is. Um, but I also see this. I think Gina Mazzani, you know, you, you question why they keep her around with a record like that. She is one in one since coming down to flyweight, and she was beating up Priscilla Cachoeira in that first round. She dominated the first one, won it on every judge's scorecards. She loses the second round by getting TKO'd in a stoppage. Uh, you know, it, it was a standing TKO, so do with that what you will. Um, so, like, I, I think she is in the right spot at flyweight. I think even coming down a weight class, Shanna Young isn't going to be stronger or a better wrestler than her. So, for all the reasons you picked Gina Mazzani, I am going to pick her as well. But I will give the caveat that I think Shanna Young's a little bit better of a grappler than people give her credit for. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. Uh, warning before we do the next fight, uh, Mike Breeden was on the Top Turtle MMA podcast the last week, so he's got a bunch of that Top Turtle stink on him. He's going up against Nathan Levy. Has Was he on your show? I don't think he was. I've never had nah, Nathan Levy. Nah. Nathan, excuse me, yes. Nathan. I think it's Nathan. Yeah, no, it is. You're right. Um, all right, lightweights, these guys will be fighting at. Nathan Levy versus Mike Breeden. Um, all right, Money Breeden is the nickname. He's 10-4 and four with eight knockouts. He's been knocked out himself twice. He's 0-1, via, lost via knockout uh, in the UFC. 0-1 the Contender Series. 1-0 Bellator. He's an inch taller than Levy. Based on their UFC experience, he's over. He's about 1.6 times more active landing strikes, plus 165. Nathan Levy, 6-1 with three submissions. 0-1 the UFC. 1-0 Contender Series. Inter reach, two years younger than Breeden. Striking and grappling stats in his favor based on their small sample size here. A couple fights. Minus 200. Over to you. I'm going to go with Levy here, but I don't know how much I love this pick. Um, like, yeah. man, I, I, especially at negative 200. I've gone back and forth on this one like three or four times. But the bottom line for me and my biggest problem with Breeden is that, like, first of all, Breeden's not going to grapple Levy, which is, you know, like, Levy's a, a – karate guy like you, you should grapple him and I, I think yep. that's going to be bad for Breeden 
And second of all, like, I just think Breeden throwing all of this, like, wild spinning, flying knee crap is – he's just going to get picked apart by, like, a more technical striker in Levy. Um, and, and sure, there's a chance Breeden hits something wild and flying and crazy, but, like, at the end of the day, I, I think I'm just going to take the more technical guy here, even though negative 200 seems like kind of a steep line. I, I definitely won't be using that in a parlayer as a recommended play. I second all of those um, sentiments. Um, sentiment, sentiments, not sentiments. Sentiments is something totally different than a sentiment. Um, yeah, I I'm not sold on Nathan Levy yet um, as being quote unquote UFC caliber. But who's to say Mike Braden is either? Um, he hasn't really shown that either. So um, plus he's got that UFC. He's got that um, top turtle snake on him. Um, mm-hmm. Levy is a pick, but. As Dan said, um, even if the lines were closer, I don't think I would. I would. I'd stay away from this one because this is kind of a toss-up. I do have a few that I still have question marks beside my picks, but this wasn't one of them. But this one was still one of those um, ones that were kind of up in the air for me. Did you have many of those? I forgot to ask. Many of those this week? Um, I think there was one I circled as being like I don't even know who these two people are anymore. Um, just like, oh, no. are, are they? You were going to say period after that. No, no. I, <laughs> I, I mean, any, people are Uh-oh. anymore. Like, I thought I had a really great read on two guys, and I have terrible reads on them. So, um, you know, like I, I second guessed that one, which will be coming up in a couple of fights, and I second guessed uh, picking the Tom Levy. I went back and forth on it, and then was just like, ah, just take the technical kickboxer over the. Wild man. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a couple, but not many. You've gotten decidedly anti-wild. I don't Maybe not gotten. Maybe always were. You're uh, decidedly anti-wild man at this point. You're always, like, bad-mouthing the Jordan Wrights of the world that do spinny stuff. It's because, like, uh, apart from, like, a, a, a couple of really small anecdotal samples that you can find, like, the guy who's throwing the wild thing is usually tired pretty quickly. Like it, it's ju- the Johnny Walker effect, yeah. right? Like we saw Johnny Walker be wildly successful with that crap a few times and then immediately start fucking up and getting beat all the time. Um, and yeah, he like doesn't quite prescribe to that same fighting style anymore, but like it's almost because it, it failed so many times he had to try something different. You're the Jim Cornette of MMA, uh, Crapping all over the flippy, spinny stuff. So, all right. Do you know who Jim Cornette is, Dan? Yeah, was he the guy with the tennis racket and the yeah? The, wow. The, 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 the the yeah. Yes, respect. He he doesn't like this the all the flippy, spinny, choreographed stuff. So just like you in MMA, not choreographed though. All right. Um, let me tell you about Athletic Greens before we move on. We're brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 supplements. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, which was um, discussed in our SGPN Slack the other day. Some food scientist told us what adaptogens is, and I can't really remember now. So go look it it up there. I think it basically does help you adapt, like you said, I kind of. uh, I nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) To help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of those things. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. How do they know about our cold brew habit, Dan? That's what I want. Uh, I, only, I only drink hot black coffee. I don't, I, don't drink, I don't drink anything else. Maybe 
we need to start using IP Vanish if they know about our, our, our club brew habit because apparently they're getting our info. Uh, AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens have over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash SGP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash SGP to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, speaking of IP Vanish, if you don't want the good people at Athletic Greens to find out about your club habit, make sure you're using IP Vanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to the hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prime guys. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the Internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the Internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and cold brew habits will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. That's what some of those feral cats in Oakland need. Uh, it's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick. When you're streaming media, whether I'm at home or in public or hanging out with my feral cat friends, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan. For our listeners with 30-day back, 30-day money-back guarantee, I was almost gave back time, Dan. I almost said, you can have 30 days back of your life. But no, they're just giving money back. 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like giving nine. That's just like for free to use. All you have to do is tap one button, and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with a brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use promotion code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. Whew. Okay. Watch weights. Gabriel Green, Johan Leonese. This was one of the fights I have a question mark beside Dan. Um, Leonese's nickname is White Lion. Green's nickname is Gifted. Leonese is Canadian. That's that's your fair warning, everyone. Take a, do what you will with that, but he is Canadian. Uh, he's eight zero as a pro with six knockouts, one zero in the Contender Series. He won via knockout. Um, this is his UFC debut, right? I forgot to write that down, but it, or is it? It is actually his debut. Okay, yeah, it's like all right. Lionese's that's what I. Okay, he was a regional champion. He's three inches taller than Green. Three inches of reach on him. Plus 125, gifted Gabriel Green, 10 and 3, three knockouts, six submissions. He'd been knocked out twice. One and one in the UFC, won his last fight, but that was way back in February of 2021. Remember the good old days. Uh, two and one in Bellator. He used to be at, I, I wrote down, used to be at, yes, lightweight. That's correct. This one is up at welterweight. So he did fight down a weight class. He was a regional champ as well. Twice more active than Lane AC and better grappling stats, but that's based off of one contender series fight for Lane AC. Uh, minus 150. I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice on the Canadian Dan. I think Lane Macy is a pretty decent looking prospect. Give me the plus money. I need some dogs. Give me the plus one twenty five. That's my expert analysis, proving that I am not the one that sounds smart on the podcast. Go ahead. I, I, I'm gonna go with Gabe Green. I really yeah. like Gabe Green. Uh, I've been really impressed. Would you marry him then? I, I've been really impressed by him. Remember too, he's a guy who stepped in on short notice to fight Daniel Rodriguez, um, which first of all, it's, that's already a huge ask for just about anybody. The fact that that he stepped in on short notice to fight uh, D-Rod when D-Rod was supposed to fight Kevin Holland, um, which by the way, would have been a great fight. 
Um, but also Gabe Green gave him all he could take in that fight. Like he went the distance with him. He went toe to toe with him with pretty much no training camp. Turns around, fights a guy like Phil Rowe and takes it to him. Like beats up Phil Rowe pretty good. The reason I like him, I got against a guy like Lineace is Lineace seems to be fairly one dimensional, like a big power puncher. Um, I'm not really convinced he does a really good job of establishing range. And with that, I think that Gabe Green is the perfect kind of fighter to just pick his legs apart and just beat him down until most of his power punching isn't there. Because like I said, if you can't establish range, you wind up accidentally being in kicking range a bunch. And Gabe Green kicks pretty freaking hard. The dude is a ball of muscle. The fact that he ever used to make 55 is kind of crazy to me. So yeah, I actually like Gabe Green in this spot pretty big. So once again, you notice who sounded smart there and who just kind of set through his pick out. Um, so you know which way to go with this one, people. Um, are, are you taking into account that Lane AC is a white lion, Dan? I don't think you – I didn't hear anything about that in your analysis there. I didn't, but Gabe Green is gifted, so, you know. He gets you fighting lions, though. White lions. Sorry, did I say lion? Yes. I don't believe he's he ever fought a, a – I don't think he's ever <laughs> fought a white lion. He has fought uh, a D-Rod, whatever that is, and uh, the True. French – French, uh, the French, no, the Fresh Prince of Philly. Is that what Philip Rowe is or something like that? Yeah, um, something like that. And he also, you know, like you mentioned his two knockout losses. You know, one is to Jalen Turner, um, which is, you know, hey, in retrospect. He yeah, it's retrospect in Bellator. Jalen Turner's not a bad loss. Has he ever hunted Wolverines with his uncle and his cousins? Uh, yes, all the time. What would you do okay, if they good. were trying to kill you? <laughs> yeah, okay, good. How are his, uh, how are his skills? Because girls uh, like guys with skills. He's pretty good with a bow staff, I believe. All right, well, there we go. Uh, I don't feel as good with my pick here, but we're going we're gonna to roll with it anyway. Okay, next fight. We got a chunky guy's back. Ivo Romanov is threatening to get out of chunky zone and into a hunk zone. Uh, take the C off that. <laughs> take the C off a uh, chunky. Uh, heavyweights, Alexander Romanov versus Chase Sherman. Broke it down. If you want to hear it, go to our UFC Vegas 52 um, preview. Did we ever hear what happened with Chase Sherman? Was that ever? I, I don't released? think so. I think he just had trouble getting his medicals done. If, I, if, okay. I'm, if I'm speculating wildly with no basis, uh, I'll say he had trouble getting his medicals done on time and getting proper doctor clearance uh, for all he needed to do. And they decided his execution could be a week later. <laughs> there you go. Our pick was Romanov. Um, he is a legit prospect. Is he the prospect you're most excited or most high on in heavyweight? I think it depends on what you consider a prospect. Um, like a like guy who hasn't had a title shot yet. How's that? Uh, no, then still no, because like, I, I'd still like it, Tom Aspinall still fits that profile. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what and, came into my head first. Yeah. And I, I, I'm like, I wouldn't say I'm more pumped about Romanoff than, than Tom Aspinall at this point, mostly because Aspinall is like the proof of concept is kind of there already. Like we know what he is. He's a beast. Um, whereas like Romanoff is, is beating guys he should be and will continue to beat guys he should be. If you're asking me, like, which heavyweight am I the, you know, unranked heavyweight am I the most jacked up on, it's definitely Romanov. Um, but, like, anybody who doesn't have a title shot, I, it's hard to put him in front of – it's hard to put him in front of people like Tom Aspinall or Ty Tuivasa. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, the only thing that's changed since our ritual breakdown is he's now minus 2,000, he being Romanov. <laughs> Sherman is plus 1,250. I guarantee once they saw the sexy 240 body, they decided, hey, we got to – 
we got to change that line. Um, and Sherman weighed in eight pounds heavier than Romanoff, uh, which you wouldn't think anyone would be weighing in heavier than Romanoff based on the past, but uh, now that's the case. So uh, our picks are still Romanoff. Probably gets it done quickly, but I don't. Well, we'll have to wait to our recommended place to see if any of us are go out on that limb and say he's going to win via finish. Um, all right. We go from the big guys to the littlest guys. Flyweights, Daniel Lacerda, but you can call him Daniel Da Silva versus Francisco Figueredo, the brother of, I was going to say former champ, but no. Wait a minute. Yeah, he is former champ. It's so confusing he, that they've former been uh, and hot current champ. For, Former they, and current champ. Well, that's right. He's current champ now, right? They've been hot potatoing that belt so much. I'm, I'm getting confused. All right. Um, what do we got? Sniper Figueredo versus Miojo. De Silva, do you know what that means? M-I-O-J-O. We definitely, definitely, definitely <laughs> talked about it last time. Am I wrong in saying it's like pasta or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's close. Uh, think more Asian. Rice? Well, nope. That's very stereotypical of you. Ramen noodles, Dan. Uh, okay. But, <laughs> that's that's pasta. I was right the first it time. It's true, yeah. It's true. All right. Let's tell you about Figueredo first. This is one of the ones I have a question mark on, so we'll see if maybe Dan can sway me. Um, Sniper Figueredo, 12-4-1 with one no contest, three knockouts, seven submissions, but knocked out once, submitted once. He's 1-1 in the UFC, lost his last fight. He was a regional champ before the UFC, used to fight at Bantamweight, grappling stats in his favor, plus 110. Daniel Da Silva, or Lacerdo, is he? Is his real name like Lacerdo or Da Silva or something, do you know? I don't is that why I think see multiple I names for him? know necessarily. I, I was, he was going by Lacerda. Um, and then when he got to the UFC, all of a sudden De Silva popped up. So it, it was like Lacerda on the regional circuit for the most part. Maybe he's with his protection program, perhaps? Sure, sure, why not? <laughs> so he figured he'd go to the UFC um, and hide out. 11-2, five knockouts, six submissions. So everything's a finish for him. And both of his losses have been via finish, which is very rare. 13 fights um, at flyweight or maybe he fought a band weight a bit. I, I uh, see that anywhere, but all finishes, which is very, very strange. So maybe a prop bet is ringing in your ears there. He was, uh, he's all won the UFC. He lost via TKO. He's a regional champion or was a regional champion. He's got two inches of reach on Figueredo, seven years younger than him, almost two times more active striking, 1.8 times more active fighting strikes, minus 120. So you can see why this is a one I'm kind of flip-flopping on because it's very close on the boards. We'll let Dan go. Yeah, this was the fight I was telling you about that I don't okay. even really know what these fighters are anymore. Because oh, Lacerda, help me then. Yeah, Lacerda is a guy who Lacerda doesn't even region... know what name to go by. For God's sake, sorry, I'm interrupting <laughs> with stupid jokes, but he doesn't even know what his name is. How are we, how are we supposed to bet on this guy? I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But but to to, to draw it back to actual analysis, uh, I I would say this like he. he he looks so good on the regional scene in his kickboxing. Uh, and then he fights Jeff Molina and he did not look good and he got tagged. So like, then it begs the question, like, is Jeff Molina just really good or did maybe he fight cupcakes on the regional circuit? So there's the, that big question around D- Daniel Da Silva. And you could say the same thing about Figueredo. Like he comes into the UFC and he wins his first fight by beating Jerome Rivera, who went 0-4 before the UFC cut him. So Figueredo comes up with a not-so-good unanimous decision win and then proceeds to just, like, tire out and lose a grappling match to Malcolm Gordon, who's – while Malcolm Gordon's got good jiu-jitsu, he's like – I've never thought of him as being a particularly good wrestler, and he had no problem wrestling Francisco Figueredo. So I'm in, like, this weird spot where I'm like, 
do I trust either of these guys anymore? And, and I think the end result is I think I just trust Daniel Da Silva a little bit more. Like, I think Jeff Molina is actually pretty good. Um, and so at the end of the day, like, Da Silva had a tough first fight, and I kind of believe his striking is still there and is probably going to pick apart Figueredo. And I'm also just in general worried about Figueredo's gas tank. It's looked really bad in both fights. So I think Da Silva probably just tires him out and either gets a TKO late or wins enough of the late rounds. Yeah, bad gas tank at flyweight is not a good idea. Yeah, De Silva was who I was leaning towards as well. Um, I will take the younger, much younger, like seven years younger too, which which is a big deal, especially if you're talking gas tank. Um, I'll take the much younger guy, uh, and I'll go with the chalk because more often than not, chalk is coming through, especially this year. I, let me check. I redid the stats after last event. 69% favorites are winning um, so far this year. Uh, 66% overall since I started doing these stats uh, a few a couple of years ago, two, three years ago. So I will go chalk on this one. And that concludes the prelims. We'll jump into the main card first, but I have one more person to tell you, one more organization to tell you about. That will be Prop Swap. We're brought to you by Prop Swap, where America buys and sells sports bets. The NBA playoffs are in full swing, and Prop Swap is where bettors find the best odds and turn the hard wood into hard cash. PropSwap has the, is the only app that allows you to pick your favorite teams and then sell your bets whenever you want. Many PropSwappers make thousands of dollars just by buying and selling championship futures all at playoffs long. This allows you to win over and over without your team ever lifting the trophy. Go to PropSwap.com or download the free PropSwap app today. PropSwap has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, a free activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale. The loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash and the first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and PropSwap will match your deposit up to 500 bucks. Join the real prop sports bettors on PropSwap where America wise and sells sports bets. All right, y'all. Main card time on ESPN proper starting at 7 o'clock sharp. Be there. Eastern. Uh, middleweight Kristoff's Jotko versus Gerald Mearshart. Um, so we've got GM3 is the nickname, or the machine. Um, he is 34 and 14, six knockouts, 26 submissions. He's he's another Alexei Olianik. Too bad they couldn't fight at some point. Um, but knocked out three times, submitted eight times. He's nine and six in the UFC. He's, however, he's won three straight. Before that, he had lost two straight. So three and two over his last five. However, the last three um, are all wins, and they're all wins via submission. He was a regional champ. He used to fight at light heavyweight. He used to fight at welterweight. He settled in the middle at middleweight. Two, uh, 2007 debut in the sport as a pro. Grappling stats in his favor, plus 145. Jotko, 23-5, six knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out twice, submitted once. 10-5 in the UFC. He's won four of his last five, including his last fight. So both these guys are on a roll veterans that are uh, turning things around here. Um, his, however, his last finish of a fight, if you are betting him, his last time he finished the opponent, 2016. He also used to be a welterweight, made his debut in 2010, two years younger than Mearshart, minus 175. I'm all over the underdog here. I will take Mearshart at plus 145. Um, Chaco is not, as you can see by the stats, I let you know he's not a super dangerous fighter or finisher. Um, it's not like he, he's got six knockouts and 28 pro fights. So the one worry with Mearshart is that he's going to get lit up on the feet. Um, if that is the case, a uh, good chance he's not going to get finished at least by Jocko. And obviously Mearshart's grappling, whether it's he's on his back or he's, he's uh, quote unquote in control on top. Um, it's almost, 
almost second to none. Um, so I'll take, I'll gladly take plus one for driving at, uh, at uh, the machine at GM three here. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you entirely. You you knew I was going to take Mearshart all along. I, I, I had a feeling. I'm a huge Mearshart guy. But in addition to that, like, your analysis is perfect, right? Like, Jocko is a guy who doesn't put people away. And Mearshart is a guy where if you don't put him away, he's dangerous yeah. constantly. So, like, yeah. e- even if you think Jocko has a huge striking advantage and he might be able to stay away from those grappling exchanges for a little bit, He's going to have to stay away from those for a lot of it because, like, dude, Mearshart will find your neck even in the third round when you're exhausted and he's less exhausted than you. So, yeah, I agree with you entirely. I like the fact that we're getting plus money on this. Uh, GM3 all day. Excellent, excellent. Uh, um, I must shout out uh, another podcast, MMA by the numbers. Uh, I listened to it this morning. Helped me solidify a lot of my thoughts, and uh, he is – you mentioned a lot of the same things on Mirshard. I, I didn't copy it all because I agree with it. But um, but he was a little concerned about the number. Usually, um, I can't remember the guy's name, unfortunately, but it's MMA by the numbers. Um, follow him on Twitter or listen to his podcast. Um, he's usually, if uh, he thinks the line should be more of like a pick and so he gets a little nervous uh, that he's missing something when the uh, when the underdog or the pick he wants to pick is as high as plus 145. Thoughts on that? I, I will give you two thoughts on that. First of all, yeah, I could see that, like, I, but I just think here the books are missing that, like, Mirashart has kind of, like, some ugly losses and that doesn't really matter, and Jocko isn't going to control him. Um, yep. So I, ju- I think that's just mostly the books missing it. Um, but I will also say this piece, um, MMA by the Numbers, the guy who is on uh, that podcast that you were listening to, uh, has also been on the Top Turtle MMA podcast guest hosting one time. So, uh, For real? Yeah, fun fact there, probably wow. like five years ago. But uh, so he's, he's in he's in the same company as I am then. Yeah, I, I was close. I couldn't I couldn't have uh, Shockwave was out of town for an, an episode or two, and uh, he was one of the fill-ins. Well, good guys, uh, smart um, with the picks helps me, you know, solidify a lot or solidify my thoughts on a lot of things or or um, convince me um, that my opinion is wrong. Uh, moving on, featherweights, Darren Elkin. Versus Tristan Connolly, Boonbach versus The Damage, the iconic The Damage, Darren Hawkins nickname and and chest tattoo. Uh, I'll tell you about the Canadian, Mr. Connolly first. He was on Top Turtle last week, so uh, take that as it. Uh, apparently, there, there's no um, there's no uh, jinx anymore, but there's still that stank. So just take it take it as uh, for what it's worth. He's um, Connolly is 14 to seven, four knockouts, nine submissions, so he's a finisher. Been knocked out once, submitted once, one and one in the UFC, lost his last fight. That was back in April of 2021. Did he say in your podcast why he was off? I can't remember. Yeah, he had uh, two tight or two titanium fake discs right. put in his neck. Yeah, um, which Fun. is dude, that's a fucking insane thing to happen. <laughs> yes, there you go. Top turtle. Was he on top turtle before this happened to him, Dan? Uh no, he was not. Only after. So this is okay. All right, fine. We'll, we'll let you slide in this one. Uh, he's a year younger than Elkins, plus 140. Uh, you would think he'd be way younger than Elkins because Elkins seems like he's been around forever. Um, the damage, Darren Elkins, didn't wear the damage too good in his last fight. Um, he's 26-10, and 10, nine knockouts, five submissions. Been knocked out four times, submitted once. 16-9 and nine in the UFC. He got TKO'd his last fight by Cub Swanson. Uh, before that, he had won two straight, so he's 2-1 and one over his last three, 2-5 and five over his last seven. Um... 
used to fight at lightweight. He was a regional champ, made his debut in MMA, pro MMA 2007. Three inches of reach on Connolly, more active, striking, better grappling stats as well, minus 176. Over to you. I'm actually going to go dog back-to-back here. Uh. I'm going to take Tristan Connolly. Um, mostly just because, like, look, I, I first of all think he's a better striker than Darren Elkins, which, to be fair, it really doesn't take much to be better than the current version of Darren Elkins on the feet. Like, he's got knockout power if he's, you know, like, in there somewhere. But, like, he's never been a striker, right? Like, his thing has always been grappling. But Connolly is, like, low-key very good at stuffing takedowns. Um, like, if you watch that last fight with him and Pat Sabatini, dude, he, like, made Pat Sabatini work. Pat Sabatini only got one takedown in that fight, and it wasn't for lack of trying – and, you know, like, Connolly even took him down. So, you know, like, I think Connolly's grappling, if it's good enough to, to go toe-to-toe with Pat Sabatini, I think it's good enough to, like, stuff Darren Elkins and force him to strike. And, and look, I, I think Connolly wins that fight more often than not. So uh, to see him, again, posted right around 150 or 145, like, man, th- those seem like really juicy odds for me. Yeah, this is one of the fights I was up in the air on, but I'm going to go chalk uh, with Elkins. Um, he's he's going to be more active striking. He, I wouldn't say he's a better striker, but um, you don't need to be a better striker a lot of times to to win decisions as long as you look like you're being active, which he will be. And he's uh, he's basically very active everywhere uh, on the ground, um, striking everything like that. So not convinced um, he's a better fighter than Connolly, but I think he's going to win this fight nonetheless that, that is that is some really great darren elkins ass analysis right there is <laughs> i don't think he's better than the person he's fighting and, he's watch, beat him anyway. and, and watch me pick him <laughs> yep um yeah unless the his last fight was the harbinger 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 Har- harbinger harbinger right Hard G, uh, a harbinger for for things to come, and he's going to start finally start wearing the damage, uh, um, pun intended, and start getting knocked out uh, more frequently. So we'll see. Lightweights, another good matchup. Jared Gordon versus Grant Dawson. We got KGD for Grant Dawson versus Flash Gordon. Let's tell you about Gordon first. Eighteen and four, six knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out four times. So all of his losses have come via knockout. Six and three in the UFC. However, he's won three straight fights in four or five. He has missed weight in the past. Used to fight down at uh, featherweight. This is that lightweight. He's got multiple regional championships on his mantle. Sorry. There mantle. you go. Where were you, for God's sakes? Uh, 2011 debut in pro MMA. Striking stats in his favor, and he's 1.7 times more active landing strikes. Plus 140. Uh, KGD Dawson is 17-1-1. Seven knockouts, 11 submissions. Another submission... Wait a minute, those numbers don't add up. How can maybe seven knockouts and 11 submissions be only at 17 pro wins? All right, I'm gonna, the intern's going to look it up right this second, Dan. Obviously, it's a clerical error on my secretary's behalf who does up the notes for me. All right, he's got 17 wins, four knockouts, excuse me, 11 submissions. So someone's getting fired over that. Um, what else can I tell you about him? He's been knocked out once, so his one loss have come, has come via knockout. Um, he's 5-0-1 in the UFC. His last fight was a draw. Uh, this, he's taking this on short notice, but I think it's right around the one month. I think it's like a one day less than a month. Uh, so just technically uh, short notice because I consider short notice a month or under a month. So he's right at, at the at the border there. Uh, he has missed weight as well in the past because he used to fight at flyweight. 
uh, sorry, <laughs> the flyweight. That is quite the cut. Featherweight. Uh, one and all the contender series. Inch taller than Gordon. Four inches of reach. Six years younger than him. Minus 170. Give me Dawson. I think Dawson is um, is a legit, very good fighter. And he's much younger. And he's got lots of reach, which I always like, even though the stats don't really play that out. Um, I think he can, uh, his grappling can beat Gordon here. So he's my pick. I'm actually going to go dog three in a row here. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. Oh. In, in like, for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think Jared Gordon's grappling is wildly underrated. Um, if you go back and you, you look, you look at his fight with Joe Selecki, Joe Selecki, a guy who goes to ADCC trials all the time and does quite well, Gordon went toe to toe with him very well. Um, he also out grappled Chris Fishgold and, and like what's Grant Dawson like to do? Grant Dawson prefers to grapple. So already I, I'm liking the fact that, that Gordon can seemingly hang with him. I'll also say this, Grant Dawson is coming off of a very, very, very ugly draw where he dropped a 10-8 round to Ricky Glenn and winds up having to take a draw with a guy who was taking the fight on short notice and should have been way worse than him. Uh, And he just performed terribly. I'm a little bit worried at how Grant Dawson looks at lightweight because I I don't know that this is going to wind up being the right move for him. And I don't know if you've read up on what he did after – that draw with with Ricky Glenn, his immediate reaction to that was, I have to leave James Krause as my coach. That's not a good idea. Yeah. so That's why no, you're picking against him. He's no longer working with James Krause. He's at that crowded American top team. And don't get me wrong, like some people thrive in having more training partners and stuff. But like he had the same coach for 19 fights, went 17 one in one had a weird draw where he kind of like got outworked and, and outmuscled late in the fight by a wily veteran and completely changed his whole game. Uh, I'm taking another wily veteran to give him a tough time. Boy, this is just you defending um, James Cross's honor, it feels like to me, Dan. James <laughs> Cross stand. I'm, I'm the James Cross white knight. <laughs> yeah, you are the James Cross stand of the podcast. No, I like him as a coach as well. All right, we'll see. Dan is. Dan's got a lot of money to make up on the year, to, to be to be fair. So take that as it will. He may be being a little reckless here with, with everyone's money, okay? He's trying to dig I've, himself I've out only, of the wall. So. I've only got – what do I got? <laughs> Three or four – I've only got four dogs. Just happens to be all all in the row, that's all. They're clustered. Um, let's see. Let's see him pick a dog here. Uh, featherweights, Andre Feely versus Joe Anderson and Burrito. Um, Tubero is Burrito, which does not translate to anything as far as I know. Does it? I thought it was going to be like um, Turbo or something, but it, it is not. I thought it was – there's a fish. Isn't there a fish? Oh, okay, it? maybe. I think it's a fish. <laughs> Someone has a fish nickname, I remember. <laughs> Someone has a Brazilian fish nickname. Oh, no, uh, it's, the, it's, it's the town that he lives in, okay. uh, which also loosely translates to shark. Oh, if, uh, I'm not going to say where you live, but if you use the name of your town, Dan, that would be amazing. <laughs> you have a funny name for your town. All right, Touchy Feely is Andre Feely's nickname. Another one of the iconic nicknames in the in the game. All right, we'll we'll give your burritos info first. Twelve, three, and one. Five knockouts, five submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted once. Oh, one the UFC. One and zero on the Contender Series. Used to fight at lightweight. He's moving up uh, um, to this for this. Actually, excuse me, he's moving down. He's cutting down to featherweight for this fight. 
He was a regional champ, five years younger than Feely, plus 210. Touchy Feely's 21-8 with one known contest. Nine knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted twice. Nine and seven in the UFC with one no contest. One and two with one no contest over his last, let's add that up, four fights. The last fight was a no contest. Uh, eye poke, I believe. Um, he has missed weight in the past. Made his pro debut in 2009. Three inches taller than Brito. Two inches of reach on him. More active striker, minus 260. Go ahead. Pick a dog here again. No, nah, I'm going to take Andre Feely. <laughs> I, I'll say this, though. If you had gotten Joe Anderson Brito in this fight with Andre Feely right after his contender series bout, I'm all over it. I pick him 10 times out of 10. And instead, we had watched that fight with Bill Algio where he basically did not understand how to fight Bill Algio and lost in disgusting, annoying, irritating fashion. Uh, if you go in with that bad of a game plan, a guy like Andre Feely, who can who can turn your game plan on its head anyway, he's going to just run through him. I, I like Andre Feely in this spot a lot. Is this a Bill Algio hate podcast now, Dan? No, I love Bill Algio. I love <laughs> Senor Perfecto. Senor uh, Perfecto is not but, perfect. But, like, I thought for sure Joe Anderson Brito was just going to absolutely bull rush him and take him down and, like, control him there and beat him up. And instead he's like, let's have a boxing match. And then, like, hit a takedown with, like, 30 seconds left in one round and then never went back to it uh, like some sort of crazy person. So, uh, yeah, Andre Feely wins this fight just by fighting a smart fight. Touchy Feely is my pick as well. Um, Heavyweights, Andre Arlovsky versus Jake Collier. Dan's boyfriend is on the card, Andre Arlovsky. The Pitbull versus the prototype, Jake Collier. What if Jake Collier was your boyfriend instead? That that would be totally strange. Um, 13-6 for Collier. Five knockouts, four submissions. He's been knocked out three times, submitted once. Five and five in the UFC. Want, want to hear a pattern, Dan? <laughs> sure. Go ahead. Give me one. L- loss, win, loss, win. Loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Every fight in the UFC, he swapped wins and losses. Uh, so he's coming off a win, everyone. Um, take that. Um, you're going to bet on him. Uh, that, that's your warning there. Uh, like I said, he did win his last fight. It was via submission. He used to fight at light heavyweight. He used to fight at middleweight. Surprisingly, you wouldn't believe that now. Uh, he was the RFA champ, made his pro debut in 2010. Based on last weigh-ins, he was 19 pounds heavier than Arlovsky. He also has one inch reach on him uh, and nine years younger. You would think he'd be way younger because Arlovsky seems uh, like he's mega old, but no. Uh, he's also one and a half times more active landing strikes, plus 120. All right, Pitbull, Arlovsky, 33-20 and 20 with two no contests, 17 knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out 11 times, submitted twice. 22 and 14 with one no contest over two stints in the UFC. He was the heavyweight champion back in the in the bygone era of the UFC. He has won three straight fights and five of six. Last time he's finished an opponent is 2015. He's taking this on short notice. Uh, he was two and one World Series of Fighting. He was also fought in one. Did you realize he fought in one at, at one point, Dan? Andre Arlovsky fought in one. Yes, you weren't aware then. The I biggest wasn't. promotion in the world. <laughs> I'm going to look up who you now, now on, who now, on Amazon, no now on Amazon Prime. Exactly. Motion in the world is going to be on Amazon Prime now. Um, oh, I, was that when he soccer kicked Tim Sylvia? Maybe. I'm going, I'm scrolling. He's got so many fights, Dan. It if it's not, time. if hang on, if, it, if I'm yes, not mistaken, that's that. when he soccer kicked Tim Sylvia. They said yep. soccer kicks would be legal. However, yeah. the, uh, 
the ref would have to announce when it was an okay time oh, to okay. soccer kick him, and he hadn't announced it yet. And Arlovsky was like, "I thought soccer kicks were legal," so he just kicked Tim <laughs> Sylvie in the head. Also, that I think was he ten, just wanted, ten years ago. I I also think he just wanted to kick Tim Sylvie in the head. So uh, you know, like one of those. Yep, you can't blame him. How how yep. uh, how how, how, taste, how taste that? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, how, how tasty my pee pee. All right. Zero um, and three in Strike Force. Made his debut, pro debut in 1999. Uh, he has striking stats in his favor, minus 145. I got to go Arlovsky, despite him taking this on short notice. He's shown that he can avoid any power. Not like Collier really throws with a lot of power. Um, now I think he can outwork Collier and get himself a boring decision victory here. So minus 145, Arlovsky's my pick. Yeah, and, and to, to your kind of your point, he can avoid the power, but like more importantly, like, he he can't avoid the power of really exceptional talent, right? Like yep. the the Tom Aspinalls and the Yair Rosen strikes and the you know the I mean like Ty Tuivasa beat him, but I guess he didn't even knock him out. Um, but like if you don't have that power, you have no method of victory here because he's faster than you, right? And, and especially in Jake Collier's point, Jake Collier's fast for like a big fat guy, but like at the end of the day. He's slower than he's slower than Arlovsky, right? Like he's way slower than Arlovsky. Arlovsky's just gonna jab him to death, uh, and gonna win a three round decision here. Like it, it's it's pre- it's yep. a pretty simple pick to me. Yep, it is. So that is the pick. Arlovsky is the pick. Main event time. Yeah, Andre Arlovsky is a co uh, head not headlining, but he's in the co main event of a card in 2022. Just uh, thought I'd throw that out there. Um, Main event, Bantamweights, Rob Font versus Marlon Vera, Chito Vera. Um, let's tell you about Chito first. He's 18-7-1, seven knockouts, eight submissions, never been finished in a fight. 12-6 in the UFC. He's won two straight fights, three of five. He won via key uh, knockout his last fight. He was 1-0 on the can, Ultimate Fighter um, before he got a, I think it's skin infection, I read, and he had to go off the show. I read because I was not watching Ultimate Fighter at that point, I don't think. Pro debut, 2012, five years younger than Font. Grappling stats in his favor, plus 112. Rob Font, 19-5, eight knockouts, four submissions. He's been submitted once, so you may want to pick decision for this one. Now these guys get finished. Um, nine to four in the UFC. He's won four of his last five. However, his last fight was a loss. He was the CES champion before this. He used to fight at lightweight, used to fight at featherweight. 2011 pro debut for him. Interreach over Vera, striking and active striking stats in his favor, minus 135. Over to you. I'm going to go with Rob Font here. Um, look, I, I really do like Cheeto Vera, but uh, here's the thing. I, I think I think Font might be a little bit better of a technical boxer than, than Marlon Vera. And like you said, neither are particularly prolific finishers. Um, I, I think Font is a little bit better technically boxing than him. And in addition to that, I also think should somebody get fed up with the striking and decide that this should be a grappling match, I actually think Rob Font's like sneaky good wrestling is enough to win him this fight. And like he he's a guy coming off of having gone five rounds with Cody Garbrandt and Jose Aldo in back to back fights. Like he's a guy who stuffed the wrestling of, of Ricky Simon. So like, I, I really do like Marlon Vera. I think he's got a lot of potential, but also like, man, I, I, I just don't like Marlon Vera as much as I like Rob Font. I think Rob Font's got more ways to win in this fight. What part of the world is Rob Font from, Dan? 
Oh, he's from Massachusetts. Oh, if you want, okay. if you want to, if you want to snag me on being a North, Northeast Homer too, you can snag the, uh, that Candelario pick early on. He's a Connecticut boy. There you go. Uh, no, Font's my pick too. Um, more active striking um, can probably will will probably win this fight. Um, he, he's gonna be more active than Vera. Um, more than likely, it's gonna go to another guy uh, gets finished. Uh, well, Vera never Font one time, so a uh, good chance it's going to go all the way. And uh, I like Font style to win it, so he is our pick. We're agreeing on that minus one thirty-five for that one. All right, that's the whole card for you. Time for our recommended plays. We will begin with Mister Vreeland. Yeah, I'm starting really obvious here. I'm going to take thirty-five bucks on Andre Orlovsky by decision. Uh, you can get that at plus one fifty. Right. You can get that at plus one fifty, and I don't know why you can get it at plus one fifty, but you sure can. <laughs> Wow, yeah, that's nuts. I want Arlovsky to be a decision as well, um, especially now that I heard that number. Um, I don't think – I don't know if I'm as certain on – let's give 30 bucks on that for me. But I agree with the pick. Go ahead. All right. Um, and then next I'm going to go to my pick to open the, the card. I'm going to go with Carlos Candelario. Uh, I'm going to take okay. uh, 25 bucks. On Candelario. So 35 on Arlovsky by decision, 25 on Candelario uh, money line. All right. Um, boom, 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 boom. Who do I want next? Who do I want? Um, no, no. These are recommended plays. Don't get crazy, Jeff, with your picks. <laughs> Romanov, is there any point? Probably not. Well, what's the finish number on Romanov? Oh, it's 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 not good. Uh, I figured not. Romanov wins inside the inside the distance minus five hundred and fifty. (laughs) Wow, nice. Um, Give me Gina Mazzani, um, just winning outright. Um, Let me see. Give me twenty five bucks on that, please. All right, uh, I'm going to take. uh, I'm going to take Gina Mazzani too. I'll just take twenty on her though. Because uh, I want to save my twenty for one more of my dogs here. All right, we're getting that from minus one twenty, minus one seventy-five. Um, we didn't say the Candelario line, Dan picked Candelario plus two hundred. That's your recommended play, Dan. Plus two hundred. Um, just thought I'd throw that out there. So uh, I got fifty left. Um, I'm gonna take twenty-five on an underdog, Mearshart. Um, yeah, I really love that number on him. Um, give me Mearshart. I want to get fancy with it but uh i think plus 150 145 is enough so just give me straight money line on him please yeah and originally i was gonna go underdog here with one of my last plays too but I, the more and more i think about it i think i actually just like rob font's number um for my last yep. 20 bucks I, I think i'm just gonna uh ride my last 20 on on rob font uh, was where I was headed as well. Um, so minus one thirty-five on Font. I will take him as well. How much do I have left? Uh, I got twenty boxes. Wow, look at that, matched up perfectly. So I got twenty on Font winning as well. Um, probably going the distance, but I'm not going to get fancy with it. If if y'all want to get fancy with your money, go ahead, take him uh, via decision. All right, recap. Thirty. Dan's got thirty-five on Arlovski decision plus one fifty. 25 on Candelario, money line plus 200. 25 on Mazzani, money line minus 175. 20 bucks in font, money line minus 135. I have 30 as well on Arlovsky, not as well. 30 on Arlovsky, decision plus 150. 25 on Mazzani, minus 175. 25 on Mearshart, plus 145. Both those are money lines. And then 20 on font, money line minus 135. Brilliant. 
and it all adds up to 100 for both of us. So that, that's the goal every week. All right. Um, are you going to give us a winning crazy super fan jong prop this week or what Dan? i'm feeling really good about this one it's 10 to 1 pretty much exactly oh, okay. uh and i'm back in my my two pick realm here so here's how you're going to make yep. 10 to 1 with just two fights uh first one andre Orlovsky decision uh I, i'm a firm believer that this should build a lot of parlays with this one uh and we're going to yep. pair it with gerald Mearshart wins by submission uh, could he win oh, a decision? Right. Heck yeah, he could win a decision. But Gerald Nearshart wins by submission. You can find it places at like plus 325, plus 350. So if you pair those two together, you're already at the 10 to 1 odds. Uh, so Arlovsky inside the distance feels like a layup. You're looking at a Gerald Mearshart at 10 to 1 for a sub. Uh, seems like a no-brainer. It definitely does. This is the no-brainer podcast for all of you. So, um yeah, 10 to 1 for that. Both are very, I would say, ex- oh, not a, maybe, yeah, expected outcomes, I would say. Most um, most expected outcomes. Um, but still, obviously, if, if you're going with with uh, a prop bet, it, it is a risk, of course. But I like both those picks. Um, very good, Dan. 10, 10 to 1, that's what we all like. So anything else you needed to get off your chest before we, we call it a night here? No, I, th- I think you got all the big stuff. All right, the Shanimal will uh, will tell you everything you need to do, people. Uh, Twitter, Jeff Fox writer. Uh, he is Gumby Vreeland. Our website we write for and I edit for, and our podcast goes out on is sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Head over there for everything, every sport um, that, you're, that you're looking for. We have uh, a degen writing about it for you people. And uh, if you want more of my MMA writing, moneymma.substack.com. Uh, we've got the Pick'em Contest running again for this weekend. You win $50 gift card to anywhere you want, courtesy of the bosses at SGPN. So we got some cross-promotion there. Um, so head, out, head over there. Um, you, all you need is a free subscription to enter the Pick'em Contest if, if you are so inclined. Um, and then listen to Dan's podcast. We've got Prelim Primer. Yes, Prelim Primer, where he tells you about his Prelim Picks with a educated guest. And who is on the flagship Top Turtle MMA podcast this week? So this week we actually did a PFL-themed uh, episode. So we talked to... Oh, so you're going to jinx that now. So we talked to Chris Wade uh, prior to his Lance Palmer fight, uh, which will be happening, I mean, by the time you guys hear this, like uh, pretty much like 12 hours from now. <laughs> um, and then uh, we also talked to Boston Salmon, who is fighting... Uh, another UFC vet in Shaman Marias. So uh, lots of former UFC talent on PFL this week, and we chatted with a little bit of them, or a couple of them. So he's getting that stank all over PFL now. No promotion is safe uh, for the top turtle stank. All right. Um, thank you for listening. I'm going to let the Danimal take it home for us. Uh-huh. I'm David Gubby Freeland. He is Ramen Noodles Jeff Fox, and we will catch you next week. So much better in English. I like it.